Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Everything in the downstairs of my house smells like wet dog food, but I can't find the throw up. That's going to be like the opening for this episode. (laughs) (laughs) The the real horror. Everything stinks, but I don't know where it's coming from. You're listening to Creepy Unsolved with Dylan and Sabrina. So I had quite the experience the other day. Before we jump into this unsolved murder, it kind of relates with uh, asshole phone callers and about your car's extended warranty. So I don't know about you, but I love answering these phone calls and I try to see how far I can go. And a couple months ago, I started with, uh, you know, press one to talk about your car's extended warranty, blah, blah, blah to see if you qualify. So I I hit one and, you know, I got through and the guy's like, Hey man, uh, so what kind of car do you have? And I'm like, 2016 Lamborghini Mercy. He's like, Whoa, uh, do you have like a normal car? And I proceeded to tell him I'm no basic bitch. And that ended that, that ended that conversation, (laughs) but I just got a call on my work phone (laughs) or my work cell phone. It would have been yesterday and, you know, the same thing, extended car's warranty, blah, 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 press one to continue. I get in, um, same thing, 2016 Lamborghini Mercy. Um, Hey, man, do you have like a, a more basic car? I'm like, oh, yeah, I have a 2008 Chevy Corvette. He's like, oh, good, good. Uh, how many miles is on that? And, you know, I'm like 160,000. Okay, it looks like you qualify for this. What is your zip code? And I gave him some bullshit zip code. I'm like 17456 or something like that. He's like, huh, that's weird. It's not showing up. Uh, can you tell me your zip code one more time? I told him 17456. Oh, well, that's not showing up as inside, you know, the United States. Are you sure you're getting that right? What city do you live in? And I'm like Greenville, South Carolina. And for future reference, I looked up that zip code, so I got that in my mental bank in my head for next time. But he's like, okay, okay, man, sounds good. And he's like, I'm going to move you over to sales, and you're going to talk to our sales manager about you know extending your car's warranty. I'm like, hell yeah. And I get through, and the guy picks up. He's like, hey, sir, I just wanted to confirm your zip code. And I tell him, like, you know, 17456, and he's like, no, it's not. I'm like, whoa. And I got like really dark and shit. And I'm like, what do you mean by that, sir? He's like, I know you're, <laughs> he's like, I know you're bullshitting me. 
Like, no, my zip code is 17456. And the dude's like, like, come on, be serious, man. I know you're fucking with me. I'm like, no, dude, how about you lose this fucking number? He's like, yeah, there it is, bitch. That's what I thought. He's like, I'll fucking kill you. I'll come to your house to slaughter your family. I'm like, I'm like, you don't. Did he actually word for say word, that? I'm like, I'm like, you don't even know my name. <laughs> and he's like, no, fuck you, bitch. I'm like, no, fuck you, bitch. I'll be waiting for you outside. And he's like, all right, yeah, I'm on my way. I'm like, no, you're not, bitch. <laughs> Yeah, shotgun and nothing but free time. I said, I'll be standing by my front door in my underwear with my hatchet all night waiting for you. And he's like, yeah, I'll be right over. I'm like, you don't even know my name. And, you know, I obviously survived it because I'm sitting here talking to you. But I was like, holy shit. I'm like, I want to get to the boss mode of this. Like, I've I've got it planned out now. I'm going to go with something more basic. You know, maybe I'll just use my truck out sitting in the parking lot. You know, my 2011 Ford F-150. And I looked up that zip code for Greenville, South Carolina. So I'm going to see how far I can make it. I'd be interesting. You know, what's the next level? If he's threatening to kill me already, like, <laughs> what the fuck? Are they going to screenshot my, like, address or something and text it to me? Like, that'd be wild. Scientology. Scientology. But yeah. So we have a, you know, an unsolved murder mystery for today's episode and it involves you know phone calls and stalking and you know just all this weird stuff and sabrina dude that's like the perfect segue (laughs) yeah then uh you know sabrina did a lot of hard work on researching this so i'll kind of let her take it over from here do you want me to just start reading it (laughs) okay (laughs) okay 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 so While we do love to talk about aliens and the paranormal and lore and conspiracy theories on this podcast and in every conversation that we have with normal people, uh, (laughs) today's episode is about a woman who was murdered by a monster that is very real. A monster who is very much of this world. And in my opinion, the worst kind of monster of them all. One who is very human, who blends into the background unnoticed, who attacks an innocent person and then quietly disappears back into the darkness. Today, we're discussing the unsolved stalking and murder of Dorothy Jane Scott on May 28, 1980. Hello, Dorothy. Dorothy. Don't you dare hang up, Dorothy. Now you are going to come my way. And when I get you alone, I'm going to cut you up into bits and no one will ever find you. So yeah, I did the research for this case. um, And it was a combination of both fun and terrifying. Since I love podcasts and I'm more of an in-the-zone kind of learner, Uh, I use the Crime Junkie and the Great Unsolved podcasts for a lot of the background info on this case. Both of these podcasts have incredible episodes on this case and even shared sources to the newspaper articles at the time of the event. So if today's episode leaves you wanting more, then I highly recommend you check them out. Yeah, another good one was, I think it was Unexplained Mysteries. They do uh, another podcast called The Conspiracy Theories. I listen to them. 
they did a pretty good job covering it. So, you know, before we begin with a lot of these, you know, podcast episodes involve death, we'd like to, you know, express our condolences to the families involved. And, you know, this is more for an awareness thing than anything. So we're going to try to, you know, explain to you the best of our knowledge what happened and let you kind of decide what happened and who the suspect might have been. And, you know, maybe this will help solve this murder one day. So kind of like a brief overview of the case before we jump into the deep background of it. On the night of May 23rd, 1980, a 32-year-old woman by the name of Dorothy Jane Scott would drop her son off at her parents' house in Anaheim, California, to attend a company meeting. During this meeting, she would notice her coworker Conrad Bostrin, was in severe pain to the point that he needed medical attention. Dorothy, along with the second coworker, Pam Head, would take Conrad to the hospital. Upon Conrad being cleared from medical attention, Dorothy would leave the group to retrieve the car from the parking lot with plans to meet them out front of the hospital. Conrad and Pam would watch Dorothy's car fly past them, not slowing down take or not slowing down, taking off into the night. This would be the last night Dorothy Jane Scott would be seen alive. So a little background or a lot of background into Dorothy Jane Scott. She was a quiet, just reserved, mild mannered woman. At 32 years old, she was living with her aunt and her four year old son in Stanton, California. Her parents would watch her son regularly while she worked as a secretary a secretary for two jointly owned Anaheim stores. One of these stores was known as a head shop, and I think everyone knows what that is. And the second, fitting enough, sold psychedelic items. Despite the nature of the store she worked at, Dorothy was just a single mom trying to make ends meet. She was incredibly religious. A friend even described her as being as dull as a phone book. How <laughs> nice. Um, but she really did keep to herself, and she dedicated all of her free time to her son. Like, nobody could even remember the last time that Dorothy had been on a yeah, date. Yeah, she was like a kind of a homebody, like very introverted, which is, you know, nothing's wrong with that. And whenever they'd have these big work parties or gatherings, you know, she'd be like, yeah, never mind. <laughs> you won't see me there. You know, she kind of had that confidence that, you know, I wish I had because they got all these work parties and shit. Like I just ghost people. <laughs> I don't know about you. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, well, you might see me there. Nah, nope. <laughs> I'm the, I'm a last minute excuse kind of person where I'll like say that I want to go and make the plan a couple weeks ahead of time and then the day comes and I'm like, yeah. shit, I don't want to do this. And then, so I'm like, yeah, you know, I think I sprained my ankle and like, I got to go to the doctor or my favorite one is, yeah, I have <laughs> diarrhea. So like, I, you know, I really can't leave my house, let alone my toilet. I was going to say that reminds me of the Mike Tyson where he broke his back. You ever hear that? Watch that. 
He's like, I broke my back. And he's like, no. well, Mike, what'd you break? It, uh, it's spinal. I br- it's spinal. I broke my spine. <laughs> it's spinal. <laughs> oh, my God. Also, I hate this stool that I'm sitting in right now. It is terrible for podcasting. Zero out of ten. Do not recommend. Um, But, yeah, back to Dorothy. Uh, So, regardless of Dorothy's absence from the dating scene, she found herself the center of someone's darkest fantasy. It must have seemed like a prank at first, but it quickly became apparent that Dorothy had a stalker. And it was a nameless, faceless man who had taken an interest in her and only upped the disturbing content of his phone calls as she became increasingly distressed over the situation. So... He started calling her at home and telling her how much he loves her. And even that was terrifying since he knew her name, he knew her phone number, and where she lived. And in my opinion, that's just completely oh, yeah, unsettling. But anyway, his calls, ugh, gross, super gross. Um, side note, one time I was at the gym on base and some dude like left a ugh. note on my car that said, you should call me with his phone number. No fucking, like, no anything else. I think he left his name was, like, Jim or something. Like, very, very, um, you know, difficult to even figure out who the fuck it was. And I was just like, oh, great. So this motherfucker knows uh, what I drive, what my license plate is, so where I work out, and, like, feels confident enough to leave a sticky note on my car. Great, great, great. It's awful. I just put his number on Instagram in my story him. and said, hey, y'all should call him. Yeah. That's where you put it on the bathroom stall. But. The wall. Yeah. Unfortunately, Dorothy did not live in the era of Instagram and dragging people. But uh, yeah. So his calls really quickly started to escalate with details of his sexual fantasies, which her being a devout Christian had to have been even more unsettling than it would be to like the average degenerate like me and you um as well as commentating on her actions during the day so this motherfucker was watching her throughout the day and then telling her what she did that day so she knew he was keeping tabs on her and following her he included details that he could only possibly know if he had been right there following her It couldn't have taken him long to learn her schedule, her route to work, and even the stops that she'd made along the way. So one day Dorothy gets a call while she's at work. She immediately recognized her stalker's voice. But that time it escalated. The voice on the line told her to go outside because he has something for her. Now, even though she's terrified, Dorothy musters up the courage to go outside to confront this asshole and hopefully put an end to this once and for all. Except he's not there. There's nobody in sight. What there is, is a single dead rose right on the windshield of her car. Now it's unclear if she called the police when this happened, but even if she did, the calls only got worse. Did you look into like any symbolism behind the dead rose. No, I did not. Just, did you? It'd just be an interesting thing to look up, but there's deeper meaning behind that. I mean, I bet if this dude was super fucked up, which he was, 
it probably had some sort of creepy ass meaning like I wonder if wonder if Dorothy knew that'd be just you know add to the how terrifying it was oh yeah like if it had some sort mm-hmm. of significance to her that she like recognized I mean thinking forward you know spoiling well I mean we already talked about her getting abducted disappearing murdered whatever um like a dead rose maybe symbolizing kind of like he's going to love her even after Ooh, she's dead. Yeah. That's wild. I don't like that. But foreshadowing, the calls got violent. Dorothy received harassment from a man who would worship her in one sentence and then threaten to butcher her in the next. The calls were explicitly violent, both physically and sexually but she had no idea where they were coming from or how to make them stop. Early on, when this all started, the call started, she made her close friends and her family aware of the situation. But since it was the early 1980s, there wasn't much the police could do about it. Dorothy noted that the voice sounded familiar, but she just couldn't pinpoint exactly from where. It has to be like the absolute worst. Oh my god, I know. Like, being so close, like, it sounds familiar, but, like, who? It would have to be, like, a regular or a close family friend. Someone who's not there so much, but enough to have an impact. Someone that she knows, but just, like, would never suspect of this. But, yeah, as a woman, like, I can't even imagine how it would feel to be in this situation. Like... I'm happy I have a gun, and I would definitely keep it on me at all times Mm -hmm. if I was dealing with this shit. I mean, honestly, I'd probably be sitting on my front porch with a shotgun just waiting for this motherfucker. Like you said, I'll be on my front porch in my underwear with a hatchet. (laughs) Come at me. Like, yeah, I would go on the offensive. And Dorothy kind of did. Like, she wasn't going to fucking take this line down. Like, she took martial arts classes. And while she wanted to get a gun, she was worried about having firearms around a curious toddler. But I mean, like, I grew up in a house with guns, but I can totally understand someone who didn't being afraid to have one around their kid. Like, 100%, that is a valid concern. But so in May of 1980, she tells her parents about the worst call she's received. The caller said, Now... You are going to come my way, and when I get you alone, I'm going to cut you up into bits, and no one will ever find you. In this call, he even described the exact outfit she had on that day to make it clear that it wasn't a joke. Like, he wanted her to know he was watching her every move. That's wild. That's like the ultimate I got you move. Like, she must have felt so defenseless. Like, I can't even imagine and to go that far. To, <sighs> and it's awful because she's like, she sounded like such a like chill, like mild mannered, good hearted person, like no enemies, nothing like that. Like someone who's just genuinely, it's like she doesn't deserve, like obviously no one deserves this, but like, what the fuck? Like, it's like kicking a puppy. It almost sounds like someone was so jealous that she was so nice. They're one of them bubbly people, and they're just like, for whatever reason, you know, people hate that. But, like, to go that far, that's it's so fucked up. But 
being where she worked at, I'm sure she was exposed to, you know, a slew of yeah, weirdos, weirdos. We'll put it that way. Working at a head shop and a psychedelic shop. You know, there's whatever, do what you want, but you know, you you and me both know that there are other drugs involved in an environment like that. Yeah. And with addiction and stuff and yeah, and from what I understand, she was kind of in the back of the shop anyway. So it's it's so weird because she was like a secretary in like a an office between these two businesses. So it wasn't like she was exposed to, you know, the the shoppers or whatever the customers every day. So it's kind of right. Like she's not. She wasn't like at the counter, like, you know, trying to like be super friendly and get people to buy stuff, whatever. Like she mm. was an accountant. Like she didn't try to push merchandise. She just like kept yeah, to from herself. What I heard, she was like, you know, she's an extremely good looking lady and, you know, maybe just passing through the businesses and stuff. She really stood out to her potential killer. I'm sure she did move with yeah. in the businesses during the day. Or whatever, but her presence wasn't mm-hmm. that prominent, so it kind of makes me think is more of a co like a jealous coworker or whatever. But yeah, like maybe someone that asked her out and she was like, mm, "No, I'd rather spend time with my son." And they're just like, "How dare you have the audacity to not want to go on a date with me? I'm a nice person." And she's just like, "Yeah, cool, but no, thank you." And they're just like, "Yeah." I- now I'm gonna kill I remember you. hearing about uh, I can't I can't think of the exact words, but you know her being like an extremely nice person and friendly and helpful and you know just that character mm-hmm. like people mistake that I guess to it being like flirtatious or that they have they have oh, deeper 100%. meanings than you know a simple like you know, kind gesture that was unintentional. It was nothing more than that. Like they might perceive it was like a, a sexual advance or something like that. And they got that deeper in their mind that yeah. she likes me. And there's some fucked up people out there. Dude, no, like personal experience. Like, you know me, like I'm a very friendly, charismatic, outgoing. Like I will talk to anyone, especially if I feel like they don't have like a lot of, you know, social Mm -hmm. interaction. Like I want to make everyone feel included and like they're valuable as a person, whatever. And people definitely mistake that. And then somehow it is now my problem that I chose to be nice to this person and they have some weird fucking attachment because – in their head, it is something completely different. And, oh, it's so uncomfortable. It's, it is so uncomfortable. And, like, no, it's not just something that happens to women. Like, it can happen mm-hmm. to men, too. But, like. Oh, I've had it happen to me. Like, <laughs> and yeah. you're like, dude, uh, no. And they keep prying yeah. and shit. Yeah, like, God forbid I'd be mm-hmm. fucking nice to you. And then it you. turns into your problem. So I can see, like, Jesus. with these phone calls and stuff, she's probably like, <laughs> And I don't know if she would have the, you know, confidence to tell this person off. I don't know if she's playing along with it. Just kind of like brushing it off. Not even. Yeah. But 
Like maybe not even the confidence, but just like, like what the mm. fuck would you do if someone called you and told you that they were going to cut you up? Yeah. Like, I mean, I know what I would do, but like maybe I wouldn't. Maybe I would freeze. Like maybe I would just say nothing and just try to like placate the person so that they didn't have a reason to mm. want to kill me. Like there is definitely that option of like, if I'm nice to this person, maybe they won't murder me. It's crazy. But Jesus Christ. It's crazy to speculate not being in that situation until you are. You know, it's, you'd say a hundred things over until you actually are in that situation. But anyways, uh, you know, let's get into the the abduction, you know. So on the evening of May 27th of 1980, Dorothy leaves her young son with her parents so she or so she can go to a work meeting and you know from reading and you know the different podcasts we both listen to this was kind of like a regular thing i don't know if it was like a you know monthly like uh income meeting or something to go over the revenue or whatever but probably a meeting that could have been an email but they didn't have email back then yeah a nice handwritten letter had been perfectly fine (laughs) <laughs> you know, get the, the newsletter of the yeah. month. But, you know, the <laughs> store she worked for was having a company-wide staff meeting around 9 p.m. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> no, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The store being a small business, you know, everyone knows every other or everyone very well. And Dorothy and her coworker Pam noticed that another coworker, Conrad, was looking pretty sick with a large wound on his arm that looked like it might be infected. So, you know, after kind of like prying at him, they convinced him that, you know, dude, you need to go to the hospital. We need to get you to the ER. That doesn't look good. And, you know, he he finally gave in and he's like, all right, let's go. So before they made it to the hospital, Dorothy made it known that she needed to stop at her parents' house to let, you know, her parents know that she was going to the hospital and she wanted to check on her son, and she did an odd thing while she stopped. She was wearing a black scarf at this uh, company meeting, and she would decide to swap it for a warmer red one. So once they got Conrad to UC Irvine Medical Center, where they can where they find out that you know this wound on his arm was actually a black widow spider bite that had become infected. So while Conrad and Pam go to pick up his prescription, Dorothy volunteers to go pull the car around. The two co-workers eventually walk to the main entrance to wait for Dorothy. And after a long time of waiting, Pam and Conrad start walking to the car wondering, you know, what's taking so long? While out there, they spot Dorothy's car with someone at the wheel You know, they're not able to make out who this was because of the 
high beams that were on at the time. And, you know, they're, they got their arms up. They're trying to wave down this car as it comes barreling by high beams blaring in their face and it speeds out of the parking lot. And, you know, this would be the last time that Pam or Conrad would see Dorothy's vehicle. So they kind of wait outside, hoping that, you know, Dorothy had an emergency, that she had to run home real quick for whatever reason. But after hours of waiting, they would tell campus police that Dorothy is missing and that something is wrong. And the police, you know, they wouldn't really, you know, believe the severity of this incident at first because, you know, they kind of said the same thing that Pam and Conrad thought at the beginning that, you know, your friend probably had, you know, an emergency. They had to go, you know, they might be back. You might see them tomorrow, whatever. So Pam. Yeah. Like she's a grown adult. Yeah. Like she probably had to go deal with something urgent and just kind of left, figured they'd get their own way home or whatever. Yep. Then, uh, so Pam would end up calling Dorothy's parents to see if she was there and, you know, they hadn't seen her since the last time she stopped before heading to the hospital. And at around 4 a.m., police would make a disturbing discovery. In Santa Ana, about 5 to 10 miles south of the hospital, police would find Dorothy's car abandoned in an alleyway and on fire. Her parents immediately knew that she was taken. Now, back to Conrad, you know, I listened to a couple different things, read a couple different things, and this spider bite, I heard Mm -hmm. that that is very common with uh, heroin users. So That's interesting. I didn't look too far into this, but, you know, when they were headed to the hospital, Pam and Conrad were all for Dorothy stopping, and they weren't worried about getting to the hospital too quick. So that kind of, you know, makes me believe, you know, maybe there was heroin involved. And, you know, just just for them having to pry him from this meeting, you know, that's even more convincing. And I heard, too, that to protect uh, the image of a person, like at the hospital, they'll kind of say, like, code words like spider bite and stuff along those lines, kind of just protect their image. So that's an interesting to yeah, take really to interesting. take into consideration on that. Yeah, I hadn't heard that theory yet, and that's really interesting, and it makes total coming sense. from where they're working at too. And I don't know what happened after all this, Sabrina. Oh shit! This is even more fucked up. Like this part pisses me off. I mean. Not more than everything that happened earlier, but also kind of more than everything that happened earlier. So, okay. They spent days, and by they, I mean, like, everyone who was involved with this case and cared about Dorothy, waiting and hearing absolutely nothing after finding her, you know, car abandoned in an alley on fire, uh, hearing absolutely nothing about what might have happened to Dorothy. And the police instruct the Scott family to wait and do nothing before making this whole thing public. And their reasoning is, like, in case the attacker calls, you know, to make some sort of ransom deal. I'm sorry, but if her car's fucking burning... Yeah, there's like, your sign. That ain't good. This dude already said he was gonna kill her. Like, 
That might be your sign. Yeah. Yeah. So one day, like about a week after the disappearance, Dorothy's parents are home when the phone rings. Vera, Dorothy's mom, answers, and the caller asks her one question. Are you related to Dorothy Scott? Vera answers, yes. And I can just imagine the hope. The hope that this poor woman probably fucking had when she just heard, are you related to Dorothy Scott? Mm. Like, maybe someone found her. But then the caller says, I've got her. And hangs up. It's wild. And, oh, the roller coaster that that poor woman must have felt. There's like nothing she can do at all either. It's horrible. So after this, they're like, fuck the police. (laughs) (laughs) The Scots go to the press. So Dorothy's dad goes to the local paper. And the day after the article is published, so he told, you know, the whole story, Mm. all the things that happened. Day after, the paper gets a phone call. There's a man on the other line who refers to Dorothy as his love and repeatedly states that he killed her. The caller even lists details that haven't been published or released to the public, both in this article and in the police reports. The caller knew that Dorothy was wearing a red scarf and that Conrad's arm was infected from a spider bite. It's Pam. The caller it's claims. Be Pam. It's Pam. It's Pam. It's Pam. That's, that just makes uh, you think, like, how, how long is this guy, I'm presuming it's a guy, has been following her if if has to be. he knew that the scarf was changed. Like, that's fucking wild. Oh my god. But yeah, anyways. It, this motherfucker claims. Are you ready for this? He claims that he was there at the yep, hospital. There he fucking is. <gasps> and he says he says that Dorothy called him. And he went to the hospital to confront her for quote. Being with another man. Wow. So this tells me that this dude really thought that they had some sort of relationship. What the fuck? This, like, the fact that he knew the scarf shit, like, makes me think it was 100% someone that was at that meeting. But yeah. Ugh. Yeah. You have to be at the meeting. But yeah. So some sort of relationship. You know, maybe it was a relationship. Not a romantic one. But maybe he was an obsessed acquaintance. You know, like Dorothy said, the voice sounded familiar, but couldn't place it. And his behaviors are those of a stalker who desires a relationship with an acquaintance, but is rejected. I wonder. So police. I wonder if he was using like a fake voice. It was the 80s. I feel like that would have been like well, very. Not, not so much like, <laughs> like, a, like a device, but, you know, him himself kind of tried to talk in a different tone. That's why it kind of threw her off. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. I hear what you're saying. Yeah, like if I were to talk in a fucking British accent, like it would kind of sound like me. Maybe. But yeah. not. Or like a different pitch, like higher pitch. He tried to like deepen, yeah, like tried to deepen his yeah. voice a little bit. And like she could kind of. I'm pretty sure men just do that on the phone all the yeah. time. <laughs> you pick up the phone and you're like, hello. <laughs> Until you know who it is. <laughs> then <laughs> Right. 
All right. Well. <laughs> okay. But yeah, so police talked to Pam. Pam said that Dorothy did not make any phone calls. She didn't even step away for long enough to make a phone call. And law enforcement confirmed that the call to the newspaper was in fact from the exact person who had been calling Dorothy over the last few months. This guy is so fucking terrible that even after he like won, like even after he took Dorothy, this is the part that really, really, really pisses me off. He kept calling her family. Like the Scots told the police and they got their phone tapped. But this dude was smart enough to hang up before the call could be traced. Like, he would call specifically every Wednesday because he knew Mr. Scott wouldn't be home. And he would taunt Vera, Dorothy's grieving mother, about what he did. And this went on for four years. Until one day, Dorothy's dad was like, fuck this, I'm staying home from whatever my Wednesday stuff is. And he picked up. And then the caller said nothing, hung up, and the call stopped. That's wild. I wonder if that was that was the day. It's nuts. It's to even fathom. So, you know, following this in August of 1984, a construction worker would make an awful discovery. In the brush... On the side of the road, he sees two sets of charred bones. One is an animal, but the other is clearly human. Police find almost a whole skeleton, a turquoise ring, and a watch. The body is determined to be Dorothy Jane Scott. They think that since there is a wildfire in the area around 1982... She had to have been dead since at least then. To this day, nobody has been named as a suspect or a person of interest, and no arrests have been made, and Dorothy's son is now an adult and still searching for his mother's killer. That's crazy. I just... It breaks my heart because, like... The concept of closure, like, people just need Mm -hmm. it. They need closure. And sometimes, like, there's got to be a point where you accept that it's not going to come and you've got to move on with your life. But I can't even imagine if someone killed my mom. Like, I would never stop. I would go John Wick Mm -hmm. and never look back. It's crazy. So I guess, uh, you know, theories... So, honestly, this whole story, well, if if there was a plot or a, a story that, you know, created the movie Scream, I think this would be it. It reminds me so much of that movie with the, the stalking phone calls and, you know, the Cindy, Dorothy being the Cindy or yeah. vice versa. And with the close, the closeness of, you know, the potential killer, like in the movie. And it could very well be multiple killer or multiple suspects involved in this killing. Like it could have been, you know, for all we know, it could have been the whole, 
workforce involved in this. It's crazy. Yeah, I was just saying it could have been, you know, more than one person involved in this killing, kind of like the Scream movie. Like the whole workforce could have potentially played a part in this. Like it's kind of that far-fetched of a case to really pinpoint. And Scream came out in like 1996. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, what if it was based on this case? It could have very well been, you know. It could have been wild speculation on the Dorothy Scott case. And another potential suspect that was quickly cleared was, you know, the father of Dorothy's son. You know, the night of, you know, the night that Dorothy went missing, you know, oddly enough, her ex-husband or boyfriend, whatever it might have been, actually called her father, but he was in Missouri and he had a great alibi for this. And, you know, there was no... Like he physically couldn't have been there. There was no way in hell that he was going to do that. So that was quickly looked over and, you know, Pam and Conrad, I I would say that they could potentially be a very good suspect for this yeah they, oh, for sure like especially conrad they have the ability to create whatever narrative they want because they were the last two seen alive with her like what if they just hated her like what if they just i mean didn't like her for whatever reason and did this together like Wild speculation. Like, this wasn't someone who was in love with her. Like, this is just two coworkers that fucking mm-hmm. hated her. I don't know why they would, but they did, right? And so they put this whole thing together. Conrad changes his voice on the phone calls, harasses her. Pam's putting the rose on the shit. car, and Pam's watching her every move and yeah. reporting it back to her or to him. Yeah. And, like, she wouldn't suspect Pam because she's expecting some fucking dude mm. to have put the ropes on her So car. she's probably confining in Pam, and Pam's telling this guy her every move, reporting back to him daily. Yeah. Like, that would... Oh, I don't like that. Oh, I don't like that. Oh, that just, like, dawned on me now that they were working together. That'd be... Like, the other theory that I heard is... Oh, you got So I'd but... be interested to see... Whether it was Pam or, you know, Dorothy that convinced Conrad to go to the hospital. Because we're just hearing yeah, from their like, side of the story. I wonder if Pam's like, come on, we need to take him. You have the car. Let's go. And that's how they got him alone. Yeah. Then who? Like she knew all along. Well, then I guess it would have to be a trio because they talked to the police, right? Yeah. They got her alone and the I mean, actual... Maybe it was a trio, and that that guy came behind, and like another yeah. coworker or someone they knew was in on it, and they were just like, "Hey, I need you to abduct this lady. Uh, here's some money. Do it." And sketchy person number three was just like, "Okay." It's crazy. Yeah, what were you gonna say? That is crazy. Oh, I was gonna say one of the theories. One of the theories that I heard was that. Conrad 
like had a thing for her like this is again wild speculation like nothing really supports it but like maybe conrad had a thing for her maybe he asked her out like Mm -hmm. once and she blew him off she was just like no thank you not even blew him off that sounds like negative but like just didn't want to go out with him for whatever reason that she's entitled to and uh he did not take Mm -hmm. it well and developed some sort of obsession over her like maybe he was the guy that like she was nice to when no one else was and thought this is the love of my life (laughs) and fucking had somebody else like involved abduct her got like this infection in his arm on purpose and then he's the one that actually murdered her yeah Yeah, then, uh, you know, with the the friend of Dorothy's dad, Dorothy's dad actually owned, you know, these businesses at one time, too. So I'm sure he had a lot of friends within the business or enemies. So, you know, that very potential. I started thinking about that. Like, what if it's someone that, like, Dorothy's dad knew, worked with, and, like, there was a falling out? He just hated this entire family. Ex business partner, and like, yeah, ex business partner. Maybe he was a creep. Maybe he had a thing for Dorothy all along. Maybe that's why the falling out happened. I feel like if this was the case, they would have I don't know found this guy, but uh, I don't know. Say he kept it to himself, and (laughs) you know, Dorothy's dad fired him, and he's all pissed off, and he's just like, I'm gonna hit him where it hurts. Fucking takes their daughter, kills them, and then taunts the family. For four fucking years. And I feel like, yeah, the taunting the family thing. Like, maybe it's even an enemy that Dorothy's mom had. That's why, like, it was singling her out. Yeah. Or, like, you know, an enemy of the father continues to hit him where it hurts by, like, tormenting Dorothy's mom. I think that makes a little more sense. Someone that, like, hated her parents. Yeah. What if, like, what if it was somebody that, like, in high school, she's, like, really religious, mm. right? What if in, like, middle school, high school, middle school, like, young, someone, like, some dude asks her out, right? And she's like, oh, no, I'm I'm religious. Like, I, you know, can't date and have to, you know, abide by my parents' rules and all this stuff. So she's just, like, you know, very obedient mm. child, very, you know, not stirring the pot follows your parents' rules, whatever, and she turns some dude down. And he, like, is obsessed with her and then forever. And she a boyfriend. And... Yeah, and then, like, continues to be obsessed with her until, like, you know, she separates from her son's father. And he's just like, this is my time. Oh. But I'm gonna fuck it up. Yeah. And then he's just like, I'm gonna abduct and murder her and punish her parents for denying her a relationship with me whether she wanted one or not that's some deep-rooted shit too that she'd have to really <laughs> affect this dude's life but yeah they're i mean some people are just fucking they crazy are too. you know i would love to hear what you guys think of this case and who you think the suspect is and who was the killer and you can do so by sending us a direct message at our profile on instagram creepy unsolved or you can send us an email at creepyunsolvedmedia at gmail.com. And 
before we go tonight, I just wanted to shout out and let you know if you're thinking of starting a podcast, you should consider Buzzsprout. And, you know, you can start today and Buzzsprout will give you a $20 Amazon gift card. So be sure to check that out. And also, if you're interested in uh, conspiracy theories, you know, Trivia Pursuit, Netty Games has made a Trivia Pursuit conspiracy theory game. And you can get that by following our link in the show notes. And if you use our code CreepyUnsolved, you'll get 10% off. Honestly? So that... Yeah. Yep. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, <laughs> one day we'll figure out a system for this. But welcome to being new at podcasting. Netty Games Conspiracy Theory Trivial Pursuit. Like, imagine drinking with your friends. Like, you know when you start drinking, you get to that point where you start talking about weird shit? You get into the what ifs. Yeah, yeah. Like, this is the game for them. Like, you get done with, like, Uno, Cards Against Humanity, whatever shit, right? And then you're like, all right, we're in deep thinking mode. This is the game for that. It is perfect. Hell yeah. All right, guys, that wraps it up for this week. Thank you for listening. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of Creepy Unsolved. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to hear more like it, please leave us a rating and review on whatever platform you are listening from. This will help our podcast grow. Also, be sure to subscribe, follow, and share the podcast. If you have an interesting story or would like to be a guest on a future episode of Creepy Unsolved, please reach out to us through Instagram or Facebook at Creepy Unsolved or send us an email at creepyunsolvedmedia at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you soon.